What's up, y'all? Welcome to another episode of Worldly Church Girl. It's your girl, your host, Lillian Harshaw. On today's show, I have a duo, a husband and wife team. They are motivational speakers, authors, and most importantly, a man and a woman of God. It gives me great honor to bring to you Byron and Jennifer Harvey. You guys are awesome and so sweet. Like I say a lot, plenty of times on this show, I troll my Facebook friends and and see what they're doing and whatnot. I just don't accept people just to accept them because uh, I don't like to see a lot of mess on my news feeds because I don't like the garbage. You know, it's enough on TV for that. So I don't need to see that on my social media pages too. So when I saw what you two were doing, I was like, gotta have them on the show. So I was honored that you guys accepted my invitation. So thank you so much. Oh, we're so delighted to be here. Yeah, thank you for having us. We're excited to oh, share this conversation with you and your audience. Oh, thank you. So I want to ask you, how'd you guys meet? Well, that's the funny thing. Um, we met as teenagers. Um, I had just graduated from high school and was uh, 17 years old. And, you know, Brian was a year into college and uh, we both actually met doing theater. He was in a show with my best friend at the time. And I was in a show with his best friend at the time. And we ended up, uh, meeting at a rehearsal. So it was a pretty cool kind of thing. And I, I think for, for us kind of getting the, the background and being um, in, in front of uh, audiences with performances, uh, that, that's laid a, a really solid thing for us, uh, both kind of career-wise when it comes to public speaking. Okay, so... Us, I'm sorry, go actually, ahead. Yeah, funny thing for us, too, is we actually dated seven years before we got married. So we had met, like oh, Jen wow. said, she was 17, I was 18, I was just into college. Jen was getting ready to go to college, and a couple years in, we knew, hey, this is something that God was leading us to. This is going to be a great future. But she told me up front, it's like, look, I'm not marrying anyone until I finish law school. That's and right. So I'm doing the math in my head four years of college, three years of <laughs> law school. It's like, all right, this is completely worth it. So I hung around for seven years. And finally, finally, she got tired of me asking, and she's like, all right, we can do this now. Oh, come on now. So, <laughs> so, so I'm like, fine. Yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> thing too, Lillian, because I, I felt mm. very called to uh, a career in the law when I was in second grade. Um, I think God probably just figured out, hey, she's stubborn and might not be able to figure things out. So I'm just going to give her a direct line to what her career is going to be. Um, but it was something where I, I feel like being in the law, you can just help so many people. And that's really been the calling of my um, heart uh, to really get out there and help people. And it's something about me that hasn't changed because I do think the law should really be a helping profession. Yeah. Now I'm going to ask, so when you two first met, who was the person who, who was the aggressor? I guess is the only way I can put it. Oh, goodness. Well, that was, well, that was me. Absolutely. You know, we actually, <laughs> the first time I saw her was the, actually the lat the closing night of the show I was in. And my best mm -hmm. friend had come to see me in the closing show and she had come to see her best friend. And then separately, they had been invited to the cast party at a local restaurant. And so mm -hmm. I walked in and I saw my friend Jimmy sitting next to her. I'm like, well, good for you, man. That's awesome. And then found out they weren't together. And he was actually interested in someone else. I'm like, okay, this is, this is going to be great. This is it. Absolutely. <laughs> and so found out when their next rehearsal was and crashed their next rehearsal and invited her out for coffee. And the rest is history. We're here now. But but I did kiss Aww. him first. That that was all me. So you know that is true. That is true. Oh, that okay. This is interesting. Okay, <laughs> all right. So what what made you do the lean in the 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 kiss? Oh goodness. Um, you know he he was dropping me off, and I just kind of figured, well, I, I want to kiss this guy, and he seems kind of nervous, so I I think he wants to kiss me too, but I'm I'm not sure. But you know what? If I, I kiss him and it doesn't work out, I'm getting out of the car anyway. So there you go. <laughs> yeah. And you guys know that I was Take a little nervous. I was a lot nervous. Mm-hmm. Why was you so nervous? I mean, she was with you. The date was there. Yeah, That's so right. why are you so nervous? Look at her. I mean, how would oh, I not? Come on now. No, it's, it's a dude thing, I think, right? It's, yeah, <laughs> us guys, we have such fragile little egos 
I mean, we try to pretend we're all big and bad, but one little thing can totally wreck our day. And so mm-hmm. to lean in for that kiss and then her to like say, no, I'm not, it's like that, you know, I'm not sure I could have handled that at that point being like 19 years old, like 18, 18 years old at the time. It's like, yeah, mm-hmm. my little fragile ego couldn't handle it, but she was, she knew what was up. It's all good. She 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 felt it and made that move and was like, "Let me go in because he's not gonna do it." That's there right, girl. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes you gotta do what you gotta do. Now, after you finished law school, am I correct? You went into you went to the military, right? The Mister, so, you went into no, the military. I, so yeah, I actually. So my parents stopped paying for college classes that I stopped going to. My parents are mm-hmm. smart people, and I was working a dead-end job. It's like, you know what, okay, I need to go back to school. I need to finish my degree. My parents are like, yeah, we played this game before. We're not paying for it. Right. And, and I'm an Army brat. I grew up in the military. I grew up actually mostly in Germany. And so the military was something that was very familiar to me. I'm like, all right, I'll go do a six-year enlistment in the National Guard to get that college money to pay for school. And then loved it, and now um, – Next month will be 20 years in the Air National Guard, and it's been a oh, great wow. military career. It's allowed me to have both a military career because as a National Guard, it's not full-time. Um, it's the one weekend, two weeks in the summer, sort of. Um, last year, I was gone for six months for a deployment in the Middle East, um, mm. but that really led me to push forward, so I had those two careers. And what's cool about that is I was a first sergeant for almost six years in the Air Force, and being in ministry, that was my civilian career was in ministry, people would really open up to me in the military in ways that they wouldn't as a pastor. And so I got to see a lot of marriages. And that's kind of how we came up with the title, Operation Thriving Marriage. It was really about, hey, in the military, we have an operation, we have a goal, and we move forward. And we want to help people see that same goal, that same vision for having a thriving marriage and give them the tactics and the strategies to get there. Okay. Now... I have a question for you, Jennifer. Now, describe what it's like being married to a military man and slash pastor, and how would you compare the two? Even though I know it's the same person, but what, because, you know, he has the hat of military man, then he has the hat, take that hat off, and then wear the hat of pastor. But then you have the the hat of the wife of a military man, and then you got to wear the wife of a first lady, pastor's wife. Explain that dynamics and how that is for you. That's it. And uh, I I think that's a really good way to put it. But because I I really think that God creates each of us um, to fulfill a lot of different roles and a lot of different facets. And that's it's certainly wife and mother for me. Um, It's uh, husband and father for uh, my husband, as well as like you were saying, you've got the pastor and you've got the military man. And I I think that with Brian, just uh, how God has converged a lot of his talents and skills and, and training together, you know, churches for him will say, gosh, you have uh, formal training and logistics. So we want you to be involved in some of those things, but he's just a, a great listener and has a really um, positive, encouraging edge uh, for folks. And I think that can be good with uh, dealing with troops, um, especially in his first sergeant role who um, needed some extra care and attention. Um, he's dealt with situations where uh, there, there was a de- deployment and um, someone's grandmother had passed away. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, just uh, different difficulties like that, um, seeing families uh, certainly in both areas of uh, the church and in the military dealing with miscarriages, dealing with um, car accidents and uh, different tragedies here and there. But uh, him as a person, he's really uh, able to, to step up and, and take care of the uh, military members and, the, and also as the pastor. I think that um, to an extent, I can feel like there can be more um, pressure on a pastor's spouse than maybe necessary. I think that's both external and internal. Um, I mm-hmm. certainly know that I'm far from being perfect. So certainly uh, we don't want to put any any kind of perfection on uh, clergy or clergy families because um, we're, we're like everyone else. Um, we, we really want to make sure that we're staying plugged into Christ, uh, whether we're in that clergy role or not. Um, but, uh, I, I think that just with the military thing that Brian had put it one time, Hey, when I, when I come home, it's just stripes on a sleeve, you know, he's not, uh, 
you know, blowing into, into a whistle to have the kids come to attention. So that, that might not be a bad idea, right? So maybe, sometimes we, we need some help. Over now, <laughs> that's right. That's right. Um, but I, I, I think that his, uh, his personality and just, uh, you know, the, the kindness that he, he shows is uh, just evident in, in whatever he's doing. But, uh, you know, he, he's always there to make sure that the, the job's getting done and that people are being taken care of, whether it's, uh, you know, in, in, in military or ministry. And I think the other thing to, to keep in mind that, that I really want your listeners to, to, to be embracing as we're having this conversation is whatever we're to do, we do it to the glory of the Lord. And in, in my opinion, any kind of calling that you have on your life, whether it's um, in ministry, um, to be doing that as a full-time occupation, um, or whether it's uh, something that uh, you are in more of a secular market, um, that can uh, be owned by God and uh, be fully in that. Oh, and see, I'm glad you brought that up, a calling, because that was my question to Byron next. The moment that you got your call to become a pastor, now I've always asked this of men and women of the ministry, did you immediately accept it or did you run for the border and then go ahead and take it? <laughs> oh, I ran. I ran fast. <laughs> I ran Hard. Um, he was a track star. <laughs> oh my God. I've never run so hard in my life. No, so I come from a family where there's a lot of ministry background. My family, my dad was actually um, an officer in the army, but my mm -hmm. grandfather had pursued ministry, had been in ministry for a while. My great grandfather, um, there's a church down in Tennessee that he built and he was the pastor there. And going back, um, being in ministry was a big part of my family. And I had, as a, as a young man, as a teenager, I had people talk to me about that, say, hey, I, I see this in you. I see um, God um, doing something in your life. But I had read that passage that said, you should be teachers because they'll be judged more severely. And I was like, I, I can't handle That's my right. own stuff. You know, I don't need to I be say the more same <laughs> thing. I say the same thing. I don't want that responsibility. No. <laughs> so, so I was, heck no, to the point. When I was in high school, I did theater in high school, and our drama teacher, she had directed a community theater, uh, and we'd gone to the show that she had directed, and this kind gentleman was at the door. He was just taking the, the ticket taker, showing you receipts, and he opens the door and looks at me, and I was like, here you go, young minister. And I stopped and started arguing with him. It's like, no, I'm not. <laughs> but, I mean, that was God trying to talk to me, and I'm sitting here. I, I didn't know this man from Adam. He was just this nice man opened the door. Um, right. I, I ran hard for a long time. And I was actually, funny thing, I was working at this large church. And this church had a print department in the church. It was kind of mm -hmm. like a Kinko's style print shop. Um, it was large enough that they were printing their own bulletins and printing all this stuff up and different things for the different ministries. And I was in charge of that. That was my job. I was the manager of that. And it was there where one of the pastors on staff came to me. He's like, okay, when you graduate college, what are you going to do? And I was like, oh, you know, I'm going to go be like a high school teacher. I was studying history at the time. I'll go be a high school teacher, or maybe I'll go on and um, further my education, maybe teach college or something like that. Um, mm -hmm. And he's like, okay, just kind of nodded and walked away. And God wouldn't let me sit down. I was about to sit down at my desk and back to work, and God wouldn't let me sit down. He's like, no, you tell that man that I've called you to ministry. I was like, no, I don't want to do that. Um, so mm -hmm. I went and went into his office and said, hey, um, you know, we were just talking and God's called me to ministry. And he already knew it. God had already been talking to him and he actually mm -hmm. was asking me because he was setting up a program at the church inviting specific men that he could see God's calling in their life and to teach them how to grow more um, in God's word, how to grow more in character, how to study God's word more in depth than it was being a part of this small group of men um, that led me to go to a Bible college and seminary. But you tried. I tried hard. A for effort. But I have said the exact same thing, that titles come with a huge responsibility. So if if the Lord didn't call you to do it and you're just trying to do it for fame and glory, be be weary. Be weary. That's blood on your hands. That's don't don't do it unless God called you to do it. And if you do it, be be careful. Be careful for nothing. Be careful. So I want to talk about your book. 
Well, we're just so excited to uh, have written it. It published in November uh, 2020, kind of at the uh, peak of the uh, pandemic there. And uh, just uh, seeing so many couples um, struggling. Um, you, you probably heard uh, the national news about our Michigan governor who instituted some pretty significant uh, lockdowns in the state of Michigan. And um, it, it's one of those things where uh, just with the, the lockdowns, certainly nationally speaking, there were uh, certainly an uptick in domestic violence and an uptick in uh, just people being together. So many couples were able to thrive in that. And it was a positive thing. But there were also many couples out there who were very much struggling because they were spending so much time together and they really had to face their problems instead of running away from them. Um, so mm -hmm. we uh, had obviously had no idea that the pandemic was on the way, but it was just really interesting in God's timing that it was published uh, when it did. And uh, that it was a few months into Brian's deployment to the Middle East too. So we kind of tease and say we take social distancing very seriously because the president <laughs> and the governor sent Brian to the Middle East and kept me here in Michigan. Right, right. Oh, wow. So whose idea was it to write the book? Who's, who came up with the revelation? You know, we, we had a lot of nudgings over the years because uh, we started getting involved in married and singles ministries uh, very early on. And um, then just in teaching some different uh, classes and um, doing some speaking, uh, we, we had some people approach us every now and again saying, okay, where's the book? And some were joking and some were just like, no, really, I want to buy this book that you guys are, are, are have written or are going to write. And uh, just had a lot of encouragement there and just really felt the Lord calling us uh, to do that. So started working on uh, research and drafting a few years ago, um, planned re to uh, release that in 2020. And, uh, you know, I, I think it worked out in a positive way. And I think what's important, that's a really good question, Lillian, because one of the things we talk about in the book is leaning into each other's strengths. And so the way Jen tells that story, I mean, it was, yes, both of us working it. And yes, it was people telling us. But one of Jen's strengths is achiever or getting things done. I mean, she's mm -hmm. the one that pushes forward for that. And I'm more <laughs> of, that's not a strength of mine. Jen gets great joy out of checking things off of a checklist. I lose mm -hmm. checklists. I make checklists and lose them. They're just, it's just one more thing to do and get in the way. <laughs> so really a lot of this came from Jen knowing what was going on. And I was doing research a little bit. I'm more of the intellection and the input. I'm more, hey, let's learn and study. I get great pleasure out of, okay, learn this stuff and maybe write it down, but not so much the pleasure of putting it out. So really leaning into our strengths, Jen's like, okay, Brian, here's the things we need to do to put this book forward. But she was the one that was really pushing to get it done. And I was more of the one trying to, okay, gather things around. And then we sat down together and wrote the book together and leaning into each other's strengths, mine, doing the research and the study and her pushing us forward to make sure we get that done. I don't know if you two have heard the uh, the book, like Save the Cat Method. Well, I know you have, because you're both in theater, Save the Cat Method. Mm -hmm. So in other words, you are the one who do the outlining and she's the one that actually did the actual like book writing. Is that what you're saying? Oh, we, re we really wrote it together. Um, okay. You know, okay. Brian was doing a lot of research on it and it, it just kind of depending on what the chapters were. And sometimes Brian would just say, hey, I, I've got some good ideas here, but I'm trying to think of an anecdote or a story that might fit better. So with okay. you... Um, in, in the law, what what's kind of an example you can give me here uh, for this? And then you know we kind of went back and forth and just kind of did a really nice collaboration on it. I think. Well, and I like awesome. to joke. I like the joke that because I'm kind of the, the Bible nerd, I like to joke that I did the content and she did the personality because hers is better than mine. Come on now, uh. <laughs> come on now. <laughs> but so it was definitely it was very collaborative, a hundred percent. It's just I was the one that kind of got the nugget in place and then together we wrote that to present it in a way that readers will be able to understand and hopefully use quickly and efficiently to make a difference in their marriages. Okay. So you brought the gold, she made it into jewelry. I get it. Oh, there you go. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> I get it. Okay, so I'm gonna dive into your book a little bit. Because you sent it to me. I'm gonna dive into a couple chapters in the book. So I'm gonna start with chapter one. Chapter is called Why Are You Married? And you got it from uh, inspiration from the Tyler Perry movie. Yes. And uh, so you talked about how um, how you're smacked in the face with reality after the honeymoon is over. 
So I want you to elaborate a little bit on that because that is the the reality check when people, they get married and it's like, bow, honeymoon's over. Now here's life. So break it down. <laughs> sure. Well, I, I think that there's just a lot of things where um, the media has really turned a lot upside down of what the truth of God is. And, and what I mean by that is a lot of people are just so looking forward to their wedding and they're planning so meticulously as to all of the particulars of the wedding and what's going to happen and in this big party and reception afterwards. But they're not really focused on what the marriage is. Of course, they know that they're going to be together after the wedding ceremony and the reception, but it doesn't really click as to what that is or why it is. Um, so that's what we really liked about, you know, we're, we are big Tyler Perry fans that no, no lie there, but it's about the couples in there just talking about, well, goodness, why did I get married? So we just thought of what is really the purpose of marriage as uh, God outlines that. And, and there's a lot of different reasons, but in a lot of ways, God's put this together to be that iron that sharpens iron um, in order for us to grow more holy. And, and I think that holy is a very church word where sometimes people will equate that with, oh, holy means it's not fun or there's nothing that is really helpful um, about that. It's something that's just boring and stuffy. And, and really, again, that's the opposite of the, the situation. Being holy is experiencing and growing into the wholeness of what God is and being what he created us to be, which is really the truest and biggest fulfillment of who we are. Did you want to chime in on that? I think she did really well with it. I think the big thing is um, why we started the book that way. So in the military, we do a lot of leadership studies, leadership training, and Simon Sinek, I don't know if you're familiar with his stuff, but he does a lot of leadership stuff. And one of the things he always tells leaders is start with why. You can do anything and people will do anything if they know why they're doing it. And I think what's tough is what we've learned in counseling couples and talking to couples is the why, they don't have it. They don't know why they are married. They know why they got married, but all the feelings and stuff. When you look at them three, five, ten years down the road, it's like, why are you still married? And they don't have that reason. And if you follow the world's perspective of it, you follow culture in movies and music and television, the why for marriage is to make me happy. And so when I'm right. not happy, then I shouldn't be married anymore. And that's what mm -hmm. leads a lot of people to ending a marriage. And that's not what God says. God says that marriage is so much more and happiness ebbs and flows. I mean, happiness depends sometimes on what you had for breakfast that morning, you know? That's, like, that's very true. So marriage is not ever going to... I am very happy to be married to Jen. We're very happy together. But it's because we don't stake our happiness on each other. Because there are times when, you know, I'm a knucklehead and I, I'm not smart <laughs> enough to pick up hints. You know, so we have mm -hmm. to, we had to learn to work through that and to learn that, hey, this is about us being more godly, being more like Jesus Christ, who loves us too much to leave us where we are. And part of what mm -hmm. he did is gave us each other to help us become the people he created us to be. And focusing on that's the reason we're married, not because we're happy. Love it. Love it. Love it. Okay. I'm diving in again. Chapter eight. That was all in your book. Chapter eight. <laughs> What is love? Now, love this chapter because you broke down the, the three different uh, Greek ways that love is, is described. And I loved how you talked about how, how you don't love your pet like you love your spouse. You don't love pizza like you love a certain movie. I'm just giving certain examples. Love is for different reasons, for different ways. So when you say you love something or someone, it, it's broken down differently because of the Greek definition of love. Yeah, the three words that you'll find is actually there's a fourth word that doesn't get used as much in the Bible. But the three words that are used in the Bible are phileo, or that's Philadelphia, that's brotherly love. That's love you have for a sibling. Or, um, and then you've got eros. And eros is romantic love, that's sexual love. The erotic comes from the Greek word eros. And then you've got agape, and that's the one that you hear most often about God. And that's his mm -hmm. unconditional love. And that's the love when Jesus says, um, by this, um, someone who loves their brother, they would lay down their lives for them. This is evidence of their love. That's the action in love. That's the, you can't lose this love. It's permanent. It's forever. 
And so those are the three Greek words that we talk about um, in the book of love and how they're divided up in Greek. English just doesn't divide the word. We, we have one word to describe all these different things. Um, but also we talk about in that chapter that if you're going to truly love your spouse, um, all those two words are important. But love is one of feeling. It's an emotion. I feel love towards my wife. And that ebbs and flows. Emotions are caused just scientifically, just biologically by the, our hormones and the chemicals going on. And I mean, again, you have a bad breakfast. You might not feel loving towards anyone that day because you had an upset stomach. You know, it's just, right. I don't love it. I don't feel love right now. Um, I'm uncomfortable. Um, that's mm -hmm. something you can't control. But love is also an attitude. And we talk about um, the love between David and Jonathan, you know, in the Old Testament. And they were closest brothers. It says that David loved Jonathan more than he loved women. It wasn't some sort of romantic, weird thing. It was that's how close friendship was in the Middle East. Friendships between mm -hmm. men get very, very close. I'm going to believe the best in you. I have this attitude that we're in this together. We're committed. I'm going to believe the best in you. But then thirdly, love is also action. And we see this um, mostly in God. You can see all three in God. But mostly you see in Christ, he acted. It wasn't just saying I love you. It wasn't just thinking I love you, feeling the thing. It's like, no, I'm going to go to the cross because I love you so much. I want yes. a redeemed world. And I'm going to act on that. And so I think those are the things when we're talking about love in movies and songs and stuff, it's all about those feelings of love, which are wonderful. And when those are strong, it's an amazing experience. And the more you have the attitude of love and the more you have the actions of love, the more those wonderful emotions come out. But if you take out the attitude and the actions, you're not going to hold your marriage together on just emotion. And I think the other thing, too, is when Jesus says, or, or, or I'm sorry, Paul is writing about um, husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church, that he laid down his life for the church, that is using that agape word. So it, it's, mm -hmm. it, it's something that is, you know, my, my lawyer word of being irrevocable, that Jesus Christ is the same to, today, yesterday, and, and forever, that that is something that is, is constant and faithful. So no pressure on the guys, but... The women should be loving their husbands in the same way, too. Now, something that I'm going a little bit off my notes a little bit, but because in the Bible, it does stress that men love their wives, but it doesn't necessarily stress that women love their husband. I'm no, I mean, I know we're supposed to and we yeah. should and we do. But it's never really, it's not really stressed. And why do you think that it's put that way? Well, I think, do you think um, it's because men have a harder time loving than women do? And that's why a guy was like, well, make sure y'all know this is what y'all need to do. Because I know a woman's going to love you, but y'all probably won't. There's a couple of <laughs> things. When you look in Ephesians, and we unpack Ephesians quite a bit in the book, remember that it's mm -hmm. about unity. It's about because when, you, when you're married, you become one. And so it does say, um, throughout love one another and I think if you just look at that passage in Ephesians where it says okay husbands love your wives and you take that as a sound bite then you miss look at all the places where Jesus says we're to love one another and yes. so I think that's a specific thing because it's talking about unity and it's talking about a specific issue in the Ephesian church but to be a good husband to be a good Christian husband to be a good Christian wife means being a good Christian means being a good Christ follower. And you look back at John and Jesus says, by this, all men will know you're by disciples, by your love for one another. So I think in Ephesians, mm -hmm. it talks about that because it's talking about unity and the household. And it's important mm -hmm. to figure out and explain to the Ephesians what's going on and make sure they're loving and living correctly. But it, Jesus does not let women off the hook in love because throughout scripture, Christians are to love. Christians are to love. We're supposed to be holy like God is holy. We are supposed to love like he loves. And so I don't think that that is intended to be a distinction. It's just that specific thing that unfortunately too often we read the Bible for sound bites instead of reading right. the Bible in, in the totality of the scripture. And I'm glad you said that too, because that is something that my daddy used to stress so much that when we would go to church and, you know, a pastor or a preacher or whoever's on speaker would preach on a few verses, he was like, that was good. But now when we get home, read the whole chapter. 
love it. So you yep. would get yes. a full, get, you can get a full understanding of what's going on and not taking away what was said, but you need to get an understanding for yourself. So I'm very glad that you said that because that's something that my daddy instilled in us when we were little. So I, I take that with me to now. God so I'm glad you God said that. Awesome. Yeah. Um, something, speaking of a, a snippet, if you will, that women have an issue with is submitting. And you kind of tap, you know, touched on that as well in the book a little bit. Um, but I love how you broke it down into a very good point about submission, if you will. Um, I'm not going to say, I'm going to allow you to say what you oh, said. Sure. Yes. Well, I, again, that's a big uh, exegesis that's done um, of Ephesians because, again, some people want to zoom into the wives submit to your husbands, and it's true, mm -hmm. and it's in the Bible. However, for the preceding paragraphs, it certainly talks about unity, and the immediate um, sentence right before that is submit to one another in love. And then it says, wives, mm -hmm. submit to your husbands. And then it ultimately uh, talks about husbands be loving, have, show that agape wife, uh, love to your wife as Christ loved the church. So I, I think mm -hmm. the argument there is that um, the, um, hu the husband has more pressure on him than the wife would have. But um, it, it is certainly that mutual submission. Um, but also, I, I like to tell people that he makes it easy for any kind of submission because he's just a fantastic guy. I know he's got my back. I know he's always looking out for me. And mm -hmm. the other thing, too, is I um, kind of characterized this um, during our premarital class as uh, many years ago, many moons ago, as <laughs> it's kind of like to submit to my husband. I'm basically getting out of his way so he can treat me like the princess that I am. And when I say princess, mm -hmm. we, we as Christians, females, we're, we are all uh, daughters of the king. So right. it's, it's a really cool thing um, like that. Um, but I, I don't think that it, it's, it certainly isn't someone is being domineering. And, and obviously we've met women who can be very domineering towards their husband, but it is, it is something where uh, the couple is working together and they're united in moving in one direction uh, together uh, to the glory of the Lord. Yes. Because there was one part in there where you said that um, it's about being humble to each other. Yes. And that's basically what it's about. Not necessarily one showing, you know, being the boss over the other. It's just knowing how to submit to one another, to show humility, humility over one another and which again is, is, is it's, it's love just showing love towards one another and that's why this is such an excellent book for anyone who's married or even thinking about marriage or you know or already engaged for marriage it's an excellent excellent book what do you tell couples like before during that counseling section session when you know when you're doing their counseling well it certainly depends on what exactly the issue is because um sometimes people um they they feel like it's it's an argument that nobody's going to be able to get over or somebody's really angry about something or really perplexed mm -hmm. about something and it has nothing to do with any kind of a disagreement um that they're having it goes back to their childhood because sometimes there are just these woundings that, that we receive in childhood, um, whether our parents intended for that to happen or not, or teachers or, or, or adults that were big figures in our lives. So in a lot of ways, what I really like to do is find out, it's like, you're, you're telling me that this is the problem, but what's really the problem that's underneath all of that? Well, one of the mm -hmm. things I, I really want to highlight with that, because in a counseling session, when you're talking to a couple, um, you're talking about what they're specific, what they've brought to you. You know, are they are they angry about something with each other? Um, one of the things we really focus on um, is what we call unexpectations in the book. And unexpectations are unmet, unvoiced, or unshared expectations. Every argument you will ever have with your spouse is based on an unexpectation. It's based on, hey, 
I was expecting something. This is what I wanted. And then it didn't happen. And we've unpacked. Mm -hmm. It's like, okay, did they know that you wanted that? Um, the husband that comes home and, and they're working all day and they were expecting a hot dinner. And instead what they got was a microwave meal and they're angry. It's like, you're not showing me love. You're not showing me respect because you threw something in the microwave instead of making a meal that I right. wanted. Did she know that? Did you talk to her about that? Um, mm -hmm. Do you know what she did that day, particularly if you both work, which so many couples do now. And so then if you're expecting um, one person in the couple to go work eight, 10 hours a day, then come home and make a home cooked meal, that's not a realistic expectation. And so right. every argument you have, whether it's about money, whether it's about sex, whether it's about children, it all comes down to an unexpectation. And what we do is take the time to work through what are those expectations, teach couples healthy ways to communicate their expectations, and also teach couples healthy ways to evaluate their own expectations. The first thing we say is, okay, that expectation you have, where does it come from? And is that an expectation, first of all, that is scriptural? Is that, is that God? And then also, is that reasonable in your context? You know, my mom didn't work outside the home much when I was growing up. We were, because we moved around so much, it was hard for her to get a job because my dad was in the army. And so mm -hmm. my dad had expectations of what would be happening in the home. And I grew up with, this is just what a wife does. Right. And Jen's a successful attorney working her butt off to take care of her family. And she's doing a great job with that. I can't expect her to be like my mom, who was a stay at home mom. Right. And so we need, you need to think through where does that expectation come from? Is it, is it godly or are you just being selfish? And then, okay, how do we deal with that? Some expectations mm -hmm. we need to just let go of. Some things we need to talk to God and say, you know what? I'm not going to expect this anymore because it's not fair. Expecting my wife to work 10 hours a day and then come home and make a three-quarters gourmet meal, you know, that's not realistic. And then, mm -hmm. so working in yourself first because you've got to be the person God created you to be so that you can be the husband, the wife, and then together you become that couple, that one together that is the powerhouse for God sharing his love and being glorified in your home and in your community. And that's something too, where I think that in uh, with a married couple, that's where we can really get that small glimpse of what the Trinity is, because of course the Trinity is three and one God, and in a married couple you have two in that one couple, and us being able to reflect Christ's love uh, to our community is just a, a really amazing way to embody His love and share that with others. It's and it's funny that you talked about expectation because that was going to be my next question. You know, couples always have this expectation of what marriage is going to be like. So I'm going to change that question to should a person actually get themselves prepared single, single separate, like get themselves ready as a single person? and make sure they're whole before they even think about getting married. And, and I kind of feel like what, what's hard about that is none of us is perfect. None of us is God, but I think that, so we, we can't be as perfect as he is. Of course we see in the Bible, just the, if we're here seeing the word perfect, a lot of times it means complete and you're coming to that, that conclusion of what has, God has for you. And we're all certainly works in progress um, wherever we are. I really think mm -hmm. that um, just as, as far as uh, preparing for um, marriage, even if you haven't met the person you want to be married to, I think it's important to, to make sure that you are having that full relationship with Christ because that's what's going to get you ready uh, for marriage. So it's, it's a lot of things like devoting yourself in prayer, devoting yourself in time to scripture, um, meditations on scripture, um, do, doing some different retreats and just seeing what some of these spiritual disciplines are that, that would work for you to connect up with God the most so that uh, you, you can even tell your spouse before I even met you, I've been getting ready for you. Amen. <laughs> and I think it's huge. You are a complete person without your spouse. God made you and he made you exactly the person that he intended you to be. And he's got, he's 
good works prepared for, in advance for you to do. And this life, once we come to faith, once we have that salvation experience, our life now is a training ground for our life in the kingdom. At the resurrection, we're going to be doing something. And the Bible doesn't give us a lot of information on what it's going to be like. But we're going to be doing something. And we are. this is our training ground. So if you are not married yet, if you're single, you are a complete person. And you work to become that person God created you to be. And if you are called to marriage, if God takes you there, then as a couple, you work for that. But our entire life from salvation to the grave to resurrection, glorification, all of this is preparing us for something bigger and better. Jesus said, I'm going to prepare a place for me, for you. If it wasn't true, I would tell you, you know, there's something that's, right. that's being prepared for us that our, our minds can't comprehend. Our eyes wouldn't be able to believe it if we saw it right now, but this is all training ground. That's, that's why God leaves us here after salvation. It's to train us, to develop us, to be kingdom people so that we are ready to do what he has for us in his kingdom. And you do that before marriage. You do that while you're married. And parents, you have the obligation and the privilege to start training your children up in the ways of the Lord and developing them so they have that opportunity to become the people God created them to be. And you it's huge responsibility, but a huge pleasure and joy to be able to do that as well. And I think also it's important to, to note, you know, being single is not a bad thing. I do believe that, that right. God, God certainly has created people for marriage, but I think that there are certain people out there where God's designed them to be single. You know, I think Jesus is doing way better spiritually than I am. Paul, I'm sure, is doing better spiritually than I am, you know, trying try mm -hmm. to catch up with Paul there. Um, but but uh, just the, the reality is that connection to Christ. And again, whatever we're doing, whatever stage of life we're in, let's just make sure that we're glorifying him. Amen. I love you, too. We oh, love you, you, too. Love you. My next question is for you, Jennifer. Um, what advice would you give to a wife or wife-to-be who's listening right now? Oh, goodness. Um, we already talked about just making sure that um, you, you're purifying your heart. And what I mean by that is be in that close communication um, with the Lord. Uh, it's it's very good to be um, also surrounding yourself with like-minded people. And what I mean by that is I feel like um, a lot of times the, the way that Pastor Jimmy Evans likes to put it is your friends are your future. So just the concept of I, I've seen, unfortunately, some um, people surround themselves with friends who have gotten divorced, and then all of a sudden, the friend group ends up all getting divorced. Um, so I, I think it's in, in that said too. You know, we've we've had experiences where friends have involuntarily gotten divorced um, over, say, adultery um, that that happened with the other spouse. But that, as long as that friend is still supportive of what your marriage is, that's a positive thing to have around. Um, mm -hmm. But but I think, again, just really to be a good Christian husband, be a good Christian wife, make sure you're being a good Christian and living out your faith and those principles. And, and I think a good temperature check as to that. And believe me, I'm not perfect. So don't hear that. Go through your fruits of the spirit. Is that some are those some things that you are uh, demonstrating? And that's in Galatians. Um, are, are you patient? Are you experiencing peace and, and joy? And I'm not saying, you know, if, if something uh, ended up uh, kind, of, kind of rocking your world, if there's something really tragic that happens, and it's like, I'm not joyful today. That, that's okay. Are you overall joyful? Um, right. So, so I, I think it's just important just to be connected to God. I, I keep on going back uh, to the Gospel of John talking about abiding in Christ and then also letting him abide in you and just have that connectivity because he is the vine and we are the branches and we do need to be connected to him. Amen. Now, Byron, what advice would you give to a husband or a husband to be that's listening right now? So I think the, the advice I would give, so you hear over and over in, in church that the priority is you've got to be close to God first and your marriage is second. Um, so first, make sure you're in God's word, you're spending time, you have a vibrant relationship with God because he's going to teach you to be that man that he created you to be. But when it comes to marriage, invent ways to serve your wife. Come up with how can you help her feel better about her? How can you 
serve her practically, invent ways, spend time, find out the things that she likes, find out what she does, spend time, talk to her, don't just presume, but work hard at loving her and serving her. I promise you guys that if you work triple time on filling her up with your love, then that love is going to overflow and you guys are going to have a thriving marriage. You focus on her. Um, C.S. Lewis, um, the author who wrote The Chronicles of Narnia, he's written a lot of stuff. His definition of humble is humble people don't think less of themselves. They think of themselves less. So think less about what you want out of your marriage and think two, 300 times more what your wife wants out of the marriage and give that to her. And then together you will have a thriving marriage. Wow. You two. Oh my God. You two are, are amazing. You're too Absolutely kind. amazing. Too no, I'm being honest. You two are amazing. Thank you. <laughs> but I mean, really, we, we serve an awesome God together. Um, and, and when I say together, it's, you know, Brian and I are serving uh, the Lord, but um, just all, all of us, you know, who are, who are listening, who, who are Christians, we all serve the Lord together. And uh, just may he be praised and be glorified. Amen. Amen. So what is next for you two? Well, at this, at this point, it's, it's an interesting thing because just coming out of the pandemic, uh, mm -hmm. we, we are uh, looking to get more into live speaking events. Um, and uh, it, it's, it, again, launch a book during a pandemic, but we've been very blessed <laughs> to be on some amazing uh, podcasts and, and meet some amazing folks uh, just, just as to that. Um, we're in process of, uh, we're going to be recording some videos um, for a uh, group that's called the Marriage Group. And uh, oh, wow. they, they do premarital uh, type things, and uh, that's all over the world. And we're specifically focusing on military families. So that's something that we're excited about. But we'd love to be visiting uh, churches and conferences and doing some retreats as well. Absolutely. Oh, awesome. And now how can people reach you? So the easiest way for sure is the website that's up on the screen right now, OperationThrivingMarriage.com. There's a contact page in there, and you can that comes directly to my email. That's the easiest way to get a hold of us. But find us on Facebook and Twitter as well. And or Jen's on Instagram. I'm not. I'm the weird guy that's not on Instagram. <laughs> I don't understand it. Um, I'm too. I don't understand pictures all the time. I used to work at a place where a guy was very visual and would draw charts. And I had time. Mm -hmm. Tell me words. So but Facebook, Instagram, Twitter looks up there. And the easiest thing is OperationThrivingMarriage.com. Send us a message. Awesome. We'd love to connect with you. Awesome. Okay. Now. You can take turns answering this question. So whoever wants to go first, if you could have any theme song when you walked into a room, what would it be and why? Ooh, that's a good one. Um, okay, I'll go. This, I, you I've got yours? I've already got this. I'm a big <laughs> Billy Joel fan. Um, okay. So if you listen to old Billy Joel, there's this song, You May Be Right. And the lyrics are, you may be right, I may be crazy. And I just think that's just an awesome song. He talks about riding his motorcycle in the rain. I love my motorcycle. So just wild, abandoned, just, you know what? Billy Joel wasn't talking about abandoned to the Lord, but mm -hmm. just, you know what? You may be right. I may be crazy. I'm crazy about Jesus. I'm crazy about my wife. I'm crazy about my kids. Amen. May right. I may be crazy. I'm okay. Like I love it. I love it. And, okay. And I, right now, what's coming to my mind is um, just the, the title opener of the musical Hamilton. I'm just all, all over with uh, <gasps> Manuel Miranda. So that's good. See, this is why I'm loving y'all. I completely wore out that Hamilton soundtrack. And you know how Spotify lets you know what you listen to the most? Yeah. It was Hamilton. It Isn't was, it? it was, it was, it was, I tore Hamilton up to the point where I worked out to Hamilton. I, I mean, TMI. When I took a shower, I was listening to Hamilton. It was oh just, it was, it was just Hamilton, Hamilton, Hamilton. To one of my girls was like, "Do you not listen to anything else?" I mean, I do, but I love music. But it was just Hamilton was just it for the longest. But yeah. Well, okay. Well, so. I actually, I I figured out last year that God and I have a song. I knew mm -hmm. you were waiting for me, George Michael and Aretha Franklin. I mean, listeners, oh, I love you know, that song too. Yeah. Lyrics. 
And it, yeah. it, it's it's a really awesome uh, kind of connectivity thing because uh, we always hear you need to wait wait on the Lord. You need to wait for the Lord to do things. And mm-hmm. it, it's comforting to me that that God knows that and and He knew we were waiting for Him to yeah. to, to act and to do some things, and we remain faithful. Love my Queen Is, of Soul. Are you gonna watch the movie? That's oh, absolutely, out. absolutely, and it's it's going to be interesting. We uh, we love Jennifer Hudson as well, and uh, mm-hmm. we've been hearing good good things about her. Yeah, it's going to be a good one. It's going to be oh, a great. Yeah. It's going to be a great movie. Well, you two, I cannot thank you two enough for being on here. You two were such a delight. I enjoyed your spirit. Your love is obvious. It's no doubt about it. It's not phony. It's not put on. It's it's the real deal without a shadow of a doubt so i'm just moved by you too so thank you so much thank you so much for being on here i can't wait to see all the great and wonderful things god's gonna do for you too and i hope you come back oh we're happy to thanks so much for having us and indefinitely we'll be back we'll look forward to that too awesome thank you thank you to all of you who are listening thank you so much we love you guys um Please reach out. We want you guys to have amazing thriving marriages. That's what God wants for you. And we would love any way to be a part of helping you experience that. God bless you guys. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. God bless you. God bless. Thank you, you guys, for being on my show. I cannot tell you enough how much you two mean to me. It was such a great joy and an honor to meet you both. And I cannot wait to see all the wonderful and glorious things God's going to do for the both of you and your family. And hey, did you know Worldly Church Girl has gone live? Worldly Church Girl is live. As a matter of fact, this very episode was recorded live. You can see it on Facebook, YouTube, Twitch, and LinkedIn. And if you would like to learn more about yours truly, go to www.worldlychurchgirl.com. And if you'd like to contact me for any questions or you'd like to be on my show, hit the contact form, shoot me an email, and let's see what we can do with that thing. And have you subscribed? What are you waiting for? Worldly Church Girl is growing and growing and growing. Trust me, you don't want to miss another episode. Hit that subscription button. And as always, thanks for joining your one and only Worldly Church Girl.